0: Happy Tuesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Well, guys, it is the busy time in MMA. I gotta tell you, coming up on today's show, we're gonna talk about the week ahead. I'm also gonna bring you more topics from last week's, like Patty the Batty versus Jake Paul, and also the Liver King. But before we get to that, I wanna start today's show with some big storylines coming off of this weekend's UFC Orlando. Guys, don't ever try to entertain me. And me is not shale the person. I am the collective community of mixed martial arts. Don't ever try to entertain me. If that is your goal, don't ever tell me that that's what you're out there trying to do. Like, you're not going to get credit from me. And you're damn sure not going to get a pass. Ever. If you go into unarmed combat and you neglect a skill and or rule set that is anything other than what we know is unified, if you're ever in a fight and you think I'm going to avoid the ground because the crowd doesn't like the ground, but had I gone there, I could have beaten him. Like they're, they're, you're not going to have any appreciation from me for my time or the money that I parted with or the outcome. If you're not doing whatever it is you can do to win, I'm not going to make and subsidize your outcome within my mind. It's never going to happen. As a matter of fact, if you buy into the school of thought that the fans want to see two guys stand and trade, I mean, I've got to stop you right there. Since when? Where, where did you get that concept? And I know that narrative's out there. Like, don't think I'm calling you out as though I'm I, sitting in the corner wearing earplugs. I'm well aware from day one that's been around. I'm also well aware that this sport has overtaken in an unforeseen capacity that of boxing. Now there's another sport out there that never really got off the ground and it's called kickboxing. And it's, it's hanging on boy. It's fighting for its life. There's another sport out there. Boy, it's trying to get some exposure and it's got a little bit of a base and it predates MMA by hundreds of years called Muay Thai. If it's so true that the audience wants to see two guys stand and bang, Muay Thai would be the king's sport, followed by kickboxing, and boxing would have absolutely no problem selling arenas. I mean, I'm, I'm just using this point for you that if I want to see two guys stand and trade, I can. If I want to see two guys fight with a much more wide open rule set, I can do that too in the form of mixed martial arts. And since when was being on the ground boring? I mean, it, w- but wouldn't that be your job? If you're a ground fighter and that's where you have success, wouldn't that then be your job to make that interesting and or exciting? Isn't there ways? I mean, Khabib got massive amounts of credit. They built an arena for him. And he wasn't out there standing and trading. I'm just offering you an example, because I do know that this is a real narrative. The biggest pay-per-view star of all time is George St. Pierre. He wasn't out there doing those types of things. Brock Lesnar was an anomaly, followed by Ronda Rousey and the armbars, who came from an Olympic sport known as judo. There was absolutely no stand and bang. But I know that idea keeps on floating around. Kevin Holland looked to me as though he could have won the fight. That might be going a little far for some of you, but I don't say it with an exaggeration. To me, it looked as though Kevin Holland could have and would have won the fight over Wonderboy. But Kevin was attempting to tell a story to the audience that he was going to stand up and trade that this is the deal that we have and we're doing this and we're honoring the deal and we made it in the first place to serve the audience because this is what they want. That's fine. I don't fully get it. I would not do it. I would not coach a guy to do it. I can live with it and I can accept that. I wouldn't want you to do that and to continue to do it if you think that you're now giving us what we want or you think that somehow there's a pass. And this has also been around, right? Like from the beginning of the time, stand and bang is a real thing. But also from the beginning of time, guys would like to hold their placement. They'd like to remain main events. They'd like to stay within rankings. They'd like to keep their sponsorship money. They like to keep the fans coming up to them, keep those autograph signings going by not getting positive results as a way of making a trade and saying, but I gave you what you wanted. I was exciting and I entertained you. And that's where the fan has to go, I'm sorry, I've misled you. Is that what I said? Did I say I just want to be entertained? Did I say I just want to have fun? Did I say I want to see two guys stand and bang? I'm sorry. I've misrepresented as a fan. I like to see those things, but most over, I want to see the guy that wins. And I'm sorry if I didn't disclose that. It sounds as though perhaps we don't make the same bargain. I should have said that ahead of time. And Holland's a very interesting spot. He's a very interesting guy. I mean, Kevin Holland got a big opportunity in this, in this sport. Dana White calling his bluff. That guy's got a big mouth. Listen to all the things he said. Call him up. Let's call him out so we don't have to hear this anymore. And Holland said yes. And I've even lost track to the full Holland story. I mean, I remember he knocks out Jacare and it was like his fifth fight within a calendar year. I personally get involved doing a grappling event. I call Holland. This is like on a Thursday. He's got to get on a plane to come out and take on, rest his soul, Rumble Johnson. And he accepted where he was going to be giving up about 50 pounds. I mean, Holland was really an interesting guy. He's got no problem shuffling the deck, rolling right into Chemayev on no notice at a different weight. He then retired, and that was really quick. That was like a really quick cup of coffee, but he was done, and he said that perfectly clear. And guys will say lots of things, right? Like, we don't hold them to all of it, especially when you have that emotion, you have up and down. We fully understand this as a fans, But he did, and he came from an un- uh, retirement into a very tricky spot against Wonderboy, right? I mean, that is a puzzle. The Wonderboy puzzle, that, that, that really tricky spot, not to mention it's a main event. He went from retirement to he moves up in the card. It's very hard to lose a fight and go up. It's just very hard. The rankings won't let you do it. So Wonderboy was, I believe, not even the co-main event. I believe his fight with Jamiah was third from the top. Am I remembering that right? He not only lost, he was finished within the first round, and he went up. He went into a main event. He's an interesting guy. And for a big part of his career, you could see the stand-up skills. That just wasn't what was being displayed and talked about because he didn't want it to be. He was very proud of his jiu-jitsu, and he really wanted to serve Travis Luter, his mentor. It was a very cool thing, but every now and then, Kevin Holland would end up on bottom without a big resistance. The opponent would try to take him there and Holland would cooperate. That's where he wants to do his work from. And he was having success. He won the fight by knockout over Grey from his back just by example. So it was an interesting spot to see him out there with Wonderboy. And it was even more interesting because I think he could have won. And not just could have. I think he would have. When Wonderboy was down, if Holland would have come on top, knowing how good Holland is, I think he would have stayed there. I think he would have racked up points. He might have passed and improved, pretty confident telling you that he would have struck. But in a worst case scenario, just him getting there in the judges' minds, I think it would have been enough to swing the needle. And he appeared to not want to do it because there was an agreement ahead of time between he and Wonderboy. I didn't see it. Must have it at a press conference. Maybe they even did it on Twitter. I don't know. I, I did not see him and Wonderboy reach an agreement, but I know that Wonderboy wouldn't have held him to it. Thought that he went back on a bargain when he's going in there and he's trying to win a fight using any skills he's got. Wonderboy is a known stand-up fighter. Holland is a known ground fighter. Like, that's not a deal that Wonderboy would have expected you to keep. And for anybody that's coming down the pike, anybody that's, that's in the future... Anybody that hears the fan say they want to be entertained, they want this to be fun, they want to see you stand and bang, excuse the fan. If he didn't finish that thought by telling you in front of all of those things, I want to see a contest and I want to see you win. And if you don't, when my excitement towards you or my attitude towards you changes in a downward trajectory, I don't think I've done anything wrong. You fought under unified rules. If I wanted to see a stand up fight, I have those options. How could you ever take that serious? How could you ever think that was a real deal? How could you ever go into battle and not use everything you possibly have to get your hand raised? And we'll chalk this one up. We'll chalk this one up to ignorance. We didn't know. Now we know. There's one deal, one set of rules, unified. That's what we're going under. Sergey Pavlovich, guys, where are you at? Where are you at on this? I mean, I think that you saw a rare tag. Can we just back up to Saturday? Has has there been a more loaded? card that wasn't on pay-per-view, I really can't think of one. And you have pay-per-view stars. You have guys that people will will, will buy. They'll, they'll pay to see. It's a different group of guy, and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with skill. I'm not necessarily, it's not necessarily this better guy. There's just an interest level, and when you take pay-per-view stars such as Tai Tuvasa, And you put them on a card and he's not even a main event. I mean, I'm just speaking to what a treat. We had a really incredible weekend of fights, but I want to know where you're at with Pavlovich specifically. I read about him a while ago. This is going back, let's call it two years. And I remember reading about him because wrestling, the sport of wrestling is so wildly underrepresented currently in the heavyweight division. I w- it was shocking how underrepresented. I can't remember a time when we didn't have all Americans or we didn't have an NCAA champion or somebody, and I'm not even talking about w- with the belt, I'm talking about in the division. Anyway, I come across Sergei Pavlovich, very skilled Greco-Roman wrestler out of Russia, and he stopped wrestling early it was like his junior year of high school and he started to find MMA. So this wasn't a European champion or their representative at the World Games, but this was a really tough guy. And it's very rare that you find a heavyweight that's heavy. Heavyweight used to be called unlimited. There was no max. And I agree with that. I I feel that that's where it still should be. But sometimes you would get guys in there, even in the sport of wrestling, and they were so big, like they could eat... Their way to success. They would come out there, 400 pounds, taking on guys that were two ten and two eleven. But it was a real, a real rare thing. And now that we have capped heavyweight, two sixty five in this case, it's rare that you find a guy that's two sixty five. So Sergi starts to check a couple of boxes. He goes out and he's taken on Tuivasa. Now, as much as I want to tell you, his youth. And that he did a lot of wrestling. As much as I want to do that, it's not overly relevant when his opponents aren't trying to take him down and then he's, so he's got to use that wrestling. Or moreover, he's trying to grab a hold of and take his opponents down and use the wrestling. Like if a guy doesn't do that, what's the point in even talking about the fact that he's got a history with this skill set? But I grew up on the Dan Henderson era. I grew up when Dan Henderson could go anywhere at any weight class, be a two-time Olympian. This was like what got Dan in to the big promotions in the first place. He was a two-time Olympian. There was so much respect shown to that. But I'd have a really hard time telling you someone that tried to take Dan down and he had to use... That Olympic level wrestling, or a time Dan wanted to get a takedown and went and enforced it. Right, he started going to the hands, and that wrestling just started to be like an anti. It was, it was to force a fight to be in the realm that he wants to be. And I I bring that because when you watch Sergi and you know what Tuivasa is capable of doing, you've seen Ty Tuivasa with your own eyes finish Derek Lewis, and you saw Ty Tuivasa within a split second of finishing surreal gone. And one thing about Tuivasa that does make him so fun, it's not just the way he fights, and it's not just the power that he has. It's that chin, man. Tuivasa can take shots. So when you see Sergi go out, and you see Sergi trading with Ty, and you've got this really big guy, what do you want to do? It's fully up to you guys. I'm fully asking you, and I just envision so many different ways that that night could have ended. And you guys know where I'm going to go with it, right? Talking about the post-fight interview. But America versus Russia, like that storyline, is not going away anytime soon. My house is real big into watching Rocky now. We got a little Ivan Drago action figure, and my son is very very into this, but I mean, I remember the USSR, and I I remember what this was like before the breakup and before the wall came down, and I remember the tensions that we have, and and those are still such real things that that story will just never stop, but the Russian guy's always going to be the scary guy, and Pavlich comes across as like a really nice person. I don't know him personally, but he seems like what you'd call a sweet guy, and I can only... Wonder if, in that post fight interview, within his broken English and with that heavy accent, if he was to say, John Jones, I will see you next, if he was to say that and walk away. I don't think, and I maintained this for some time, that the UFC is going to have to go out on this great scouting search to find our next era of heavyweight or to find those next heavyweight talents that can break into the upper echelon, which is Francis, Stipe, and Jones. I I don't believe we're going to have to scour the world and find that guy. I think we've already got him. I think that guy and the guy after and the guy after are all under contract right now, just haven't risen above in terms of attention, I think that Sergi is showing you that, right? When, when Tuivasa can stop Derek Lewis in Derek's hometown, when Tuivasa can be a split hair from stopping Surreal gone in Surreal's hometown, you understand this guy's a problem. He's very legit. Tai Tuivasa should have been ranked number three in the world. I don't think he ever got there. He should have been ranked number three. I believe they gave him number four. I'm just trying to share with you, if you have a guy that can go out and fight Tuivasa on Tuivasa's terms and have success, oh, by the way, get rid of him in 55 seconds. Because there's some matches that happen and and you're so impressed with what you saw that you chalk it up to a fluke like, wow, that was great and that was a really great night. What a special moment. Here, I'll I'll just bring you an example. George Masvidal versus Ben Askren. What a highlight reel. What an amazing moment. But if they were going to rematch, you guys are not going to predict that Masvidal stops Askren in five seconds. It was one of those things. That's not what this felt like. This felt like 55 seconds that could have been 15 seconds, or could have gone on for another two minutes, but you still had your outcome, and the way it ended wasn't going to change, and the victor was going to be, remain the same. Like there was just a lot within that performance, and I'll tell you, and people get this one uh, wrong all the time. I'll see this in politics. You guys know I like to follow politics, and somebody thinks to become the man, you have to take down the man. You got to go right after him, and you have to take him down. You'll hear people repeat that or regurgitate it. You want to know what's better? You want to know what's better than taking down the guy? You take what the guy wants. That is a much more vicious and much more definitive statement. By example, if Sergi wants to replace Francis, many people are going to tell you, okay, then you're going to have to go beat Francis. To be the man, you've got to beat the man. Let me stop you right there. If what Francis wants is John Jones and Sergi takes that, Sergi just destroyed Francis just as a fine example. Like you and another guy trying to get the same girl, you don't have to fight the guy. If she goes to the prom with you, it's much more definitive. And I could only wonder what would happen, what would the world be like right now if Sergi would have not come off playful, not made the joke with Daniel Cormier and revealed that he got taken down and held there, and he not been wanting to come off as a nice guy. What would happen? You have a big... Russian, 17-1, and who just had his fifth consecutive first-round knockout. That is a very powerful thing. I came through the sport, I broke in in 2005, and I understand. I understand that that's a period of time ago, but I'll just share with you, if you won three fights in a row then, you were fighting for a world championship. If you at any weight class could get three in a row, it wasn't just a matter of you're going to be discussed or you qualify for, you were going to fight for a world championship. And that was a very different landscape back then. And there was six events a year and it was just, it, it was a lot different. But you now have a guy who's won five in a row. Oh, by the way, he did that in the heavyweight class. Oh, by the way, he's a really big guy. I mean, he has a certain look. He has a certain mystique. He has a certain fear. He has a wrestling background. He's knocking people out with their hands. He can take a shot. He can give a shot. He's done it five times in a row, all in the first round. And he just did it over a guy who should have been ranked number three in the world. Like, this is a meaningful spot. We can all agree to that. What would be different? Could have gone right after Francis. Bunch of people would have signed up for that. But he could have stopped Francis's negotiation in its tracks if he would have just gone after what it is Francis wants with his John Jones. Man, I just wonder, I wonder where you guys at with this guy? What's your temperature? Because you guys will come to some very bizarre opinions that aren't always consistent, right? And I'm not turning on you, but in fairness, you do. You will see a guy and you go, wow, that guy is great. Other guys that have done less, you'll say he's ready for a championship now. Other guys that you think that you see a talent in, you'll say, bring him up slow. He's almost there. In a year or two, he could be... I don't have a problem with it. I'm not here to scold you. I'm asking you a question. I'm going to listen to your response, but where are you at with this guy? Just stopped in 55 seconds, which should have been the number three ranked guy in the world. He is in the five-round club, just so you know. It was many years ago in a different organization, but it was scheduled for five rounds. He went the distance. He's put five heavyweights, head over tea kettle, in a row in the first round. Seems pretty promising. How does he break into that upper echelon? How does he break into that big three? It's not with his skills, it's not with his talents. Five in a row in the first round, he's got the skills and talents. Matter of fact, those big three, none of them, none of them can match that. Should have called for John Jones. Should've come off as so playful. What do you want to see him do next? Another night of epic fights is here. Yeah, guys, I'm talking about UFC 282. I'm going to be throwing down on this one with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, this Saturday. New customers can bet just $5 pre-fight money line on any fighter to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check it out right now. Everyone can earn up to 50% boost when you place a same-game parlay on UFC 282 I got to tell you, DePlesis versus Till can't get here fast enough for me And they both got their eye on a finish. Guys, download the app right now. Use the promo code JAIL Bet $5 pre-fight money line on any fighter to win and get $150 in pre-bets if they do. That's code JAIL this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Guys, we are in the thick of the holiday season. This may be exciting for some of you, but for others, it can just be an added stress. Maybe you're wondering how you're gonna make ends meet and put gifts under the Christmas tree. I'm no stranger to being in a financial pitch. It's not fun, especially this time of year. This is where Dave can help you get your money sooner so you can spend more time enjoying the holidays with your loved ones without the worry. Dave is a banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. With Dave, there's no interest no late fees and no credit checks. That's more money to buy those last minute gifts or catch up on bills without having to wait for your next paycheck. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. So if you're in a bind this holiday season and need some extra help, listen to Uncle Chael and download Dave the future you will thank you and me. Download the Dave app from the app store right now or go to dave.com slash jail. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. In the wake of Surgy, Sergey Pavlovich, did, his, did Francis's leverage just go down? It seemed as though, and for a meaningful period of time, that you got a little round robin going with Stipe, John Jones, and Francis. And I buy into that. Like, I could tell the story of those three guys. I could tell you really clearly why Francis and Stipe need to fight again but also why it's a big deal. I might mean, get into the whole trilogy. I could talk about, you know, they had two fights and it was back and forth and split outcomes and Stephen taking time and Stephen putting on this size. And then you, you work John Jones in and he's the most decorated light heavyweight of all time and he hasn't been in this weight class. I mean, right? Like, it, it seems for very good reason. But nonetheless, that we got around Robin with those three guys and now you have Sergi. And... The toughest matchup for John, if you just want to talk about John Jones, the toughest X's and O's matchup that we see out there is Curtis Blades. And there was even talk of putting that fight together. A couple of weeks ago, that just came out. If Francis and John doesn't get done, and wouldn't you know it, for March, we're going to go with Curtis Blades versus John. Now, that's interesting. It doesn't move the needle... Any further than Sergi versus John. Not right on its merits, it doesn't. Like uh, John versus Curtis Blades and John versus Sergi. If you had about five days to tell the story, you're going to find yourself in damn near the exact same spot. So I'm kind of going on this, I go down this Sergi rabbit hole, if you will, right? I see this incredible talent. In what he does to Tui Avasa, and I'm even—I'm even shaking my head at that post-fight interview. How were you not prepped? How were you not ready for this? Either way, we got a guy who's 17 and one. The one was his debut to Overeem. Which you would think would make a guy a little bit gun shy, right? When you go out there and you got to taste that leather of Oberheim, you think the guy's going to come out and be different next time, trying to grab a hold of you, particularly when he's got a wrestling background. No, he does the opposite. He just keeps going. This guy caught me, but the next guy's not going to me. It's a really interesting story. When I'm going down my rabbit hole, I find out he's 30 years old and it took a little wind out of my sails. It did. It took a little bit of wind out of my sails. I believe. I'm jumping around here, guys. I'm jumping around. You got to stay with me. But I believe that over the weekend, we saw Clay Guida have his last fight. I believe that. That hasn't been talked about. That hasn't been disclosed. And that's because the organization is not going in the direction of some of the older athletes, even with a victory. Or Overeem, who we referenced, uh, might be a great example. Overeem was doing fine. He had lost his last fight, but he wasn't re-signed. This was a very meaningful guy. And this was right on the heels. Junior Dos Santos had a very similar fate. Damian Maia had a very similar fate. It wasn't that anybody did, it did anything wrong. It was just we weren't gonna sign some of these older guys. So I think that Clay has had his last fight. Now, but you gotta be armed with that info. You gotta be armed with the info that appears to kind of be this upper edge, and then you look at the fact that Sergi's 30. We don't know how old Francis is. Francis is at least 36. John Jones is 35. I'm just sharing for you. There seems to be a real bypass where if we want the sport to go to younger guys, you have to give that younger guy the opportunity. We can't get around that. If, 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 we're, if we're leaning towards there's some age that, that seems to be, we want to be south of that. Okay, great. Another way to say it is you want younger guys. Great. You got to give the younger guy the opportunity. Every time that comes to pass. We decide it's not enough time. He needs more. We got to slow him down. And and I get confused as the viewer, which one is it? Can Chemayev go and fight for the championship or not? If we want younger guys, we have to give the guy the opportunity. Can Bo Nickel go and fight for the championship or not? And when Sergi turned out to be 30, it took a little bit of wind out of my sails. Like it it, it was one piece of the story. I think that's a young man. I think he's still not coming into his own. I think that 33-34 is kind of a prime spot in life. I'm just sharing for you. When the guy's brand new on the scene and the guy just gets exposed to the world, you tend to think that he's a new guy. When you dig into it a little deeper, he's made that walk damn near 20 times. And he goes in the club. Of thirty plus, and it just—it's just a hard spot. It's a hard spot every single time. Is this guy too young? Is this guy ready? Do we need to bring him along? We're gonna—we're gonna put that ingredient in. Oh, by the way, we don't want a lot of these older—you know—once they've had their experience. I don't know a nice way to say it. I—what do you want to do with it? the older guys? The older guys aren't getting signed. Whatever a nice and clever way to say that is. Okay, insert that line on my behalf. If you want the young guy, you got to give the young guy the opportunity. It's as simple as that. If the older guy, a guy like Clay Guida, I don't think he's going to make that walk again. I know Clay's good enough to, to do it. That's not a debate. That's not between you and I. He just did it. Oh, and by the way, he won. That's a for sure. But if that's not a direction, we're going to go with the sport. And this, this sport is reset a, a number of times. I can just remember from my own time in the sport, I was 28 years old. I couldn't get an opportunity. I was too old. I was It was, it was the wrong side of it. And that got reset. Derek Torres helped to reset that. Brett Favre helped to reset that. This look good-looking guy, Brady, helps to reset that. Like, the whole world can, can view things differently. But I do remember a time in the sport when I was 28 years old, and that was just simply older than what they wanted. They wanted a 19 and a 20 and a 21-year-old goal. But, But even back then, that guy couldn't get the opportunity. If that's the demographic, if that's the age, if that's the sweet spot, then give the guy a title shot. Well, he's not ready for it. Okay, then stop having this conversation with me. Stop telling me that we need the younger guy if the younger guy can't get the shot. And it's interesting as it pertains to Sergi. I mean, he's very meaningful, but I'm here, I'm here to tell you guys there could be something massive next. It won't be because of him. He, he dropped the ball very bad over the weekend. However, I believe that there's enough conversations going on around the world like the one that we're having right now where we're bringing up and we're talking about surgery and we're talking about the power. And we're talking about the skills and we're talking about five guys in a row all had the same fate. And they all had it in the very first round. Like, that is a very interesting thing. And if you tried to juxtapose that matchup from a promotional standpoint, Sergi versus John Jones, Before, and if you say he's not ready and you, you, you want to do that whole thing that is annoying and that I, I can't do anything to make that stop. I can't go, he needs more time. I, I can't do anything to make that stop. If you want to juxtapose Sergi versus John Jones, with John Jones versus Curtis Blades, you're having a very alike comparison. John Jones is the oldest top contender that our sport currently has at 35. Francis Ngannou claims to be 36. We have a narrative that we want some of these younger guys. Okay, great. Sergei's not a young guy, but he's a lot younger. Then 35 and 36, so he seems to start to get inserted. Now none of this is fair to Curtis Blades or the rest of the boys, but Sergey's amassed a pretty good record himself, and sergi has got a pretty beautiful ranking himself. He's got a whole bunch of wins himself. You got to put him in there at some point. You either give him the opportunity and you put him in there somewhere. We got to we got to stop meeting about meeting. We got to stop talking about talking. Do it or don't. I could see in a very realistic scenario, and it will seem like this is out of nowhere, right? When the news drops, it's going to hit all of you guys, it's going to blow you back. But I don't feel that it should. I feel that this is very reasonable. That one day we wake up and we've got a graphic done, and we've got a poster and we've got an announcement, and it's Sergey Pavlovich versus John Jones, either for the interim championship or for the unified championship. It's very hard to compare anybody's resumes up against a guy who's 17-1, and who's put five men to sleep. It's, It's very tough to do that, right? We love to play the resume game. We love to talk about who did what, when it serves your cause. Once you find out you're dealing with the number four ranked guy in the world, he just happened to do it a little bit more quiet. There's a very good argument as to why it should be. Not just it could. There's a very good argument as to why it should be Jones versus Sergey. And if you want to get these younger guys in and you want to mix them in, at some point you have to give them the opportunity. You have to give that to them. They cannot go out and earn it. Don't talk to me about that. Don't talk to me that life's all about decisions. The hungry guy doesn't have a decision, as much as you like to say it. Opportunity has to be given to you? Where do you want Sergi to go from here? And why and why would you want it to be slow? If I'm suggesting John Jones right If bat, John's the baddest dude in the world, and he could deal with <laughs> Stipe, and he could deal with Francis, and then, then, then then it's no big thing that I insert another name. And you know what? I think John would probably agree with that. You call John Jones a lot of things. I don't think you can call John Jones scared. I think that John would agree to that. But I think it would catch him off guard. He thought we'd have a more marky guy. Well, there's a big step from John versus Francis and John versus Stephen down to John's versus Curtis Blades. There is a step there, but you see where that's still the step. You see where that still is in order. And if you want to break one of those guys in, you've got to break him in. You can't just let these guys get up in a loft and keep playing together. They pulled the ladder up. They're not letting anybody up there. At some point, you've got to guy get a guy to go up. You guys love Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira has done great things this year. The Charles Oliveira and being a pay-per-view draw, being the forefront of all of your minds, that story is never told, ever, if it wasn't for Tony Ferguson. Tony was a star. And he let Charles come up, and they figured it out from there. Charles took that ball and ran with it. But at some point, you have to be given that opportunity. At some point, you have to make the match. John Jones has sat out for three years. That is not going to be the world's easiest guy to get matches with if you put a world title around his waist. It's just not. You want him to do a match. There is very good reason why you would need to do it now, why you would need to do it early. Francis and John sounds like a great idea to me. Stipe versus John is a great idea to me. John versus Curtis Blades, whoa, that's a different idea, but X's and O's, it's a good idea to me. John Jones versus Sergey Pavlovich, that's the match you make, and you make it next. I love dressing up. Who doesn't like looking nice and feeling confident when they step out? I like to think I look pretty well put together. The one thing that is a pain is finding the right dress shirt. That's always hard because most of the time dress shirts are so stiff or they wrinkle really easy. The dress shirt has been due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt I have ever worn and here's why. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy whatever life throws your way. Let me tell you, this is not your grandfather's dress shirt. It's a classy and sharp, while yet comfortable, stretchy and wrinkle-free shirt. I didn't know we could have had all of this in one shirt, but Roan figured it out with Gold Fusion. The anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. On top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch extra trips to the dry cleaner and your cans of starch. Guys, I run hot, especially when I wear dress shirts. It's hard for me not to sweat in a long sleeve in front of the lights since I have to dress up so often. I've been trying to find a dress shirt that is a little more breathable while still maintaining a dressed up look. I found that combo in Roan. The commuter shirt can get you through any work day and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash jail R H O N E.com slash jail use the promo code jail to save 20% Off your entire order That's 20% off your entire order When you head to Rhone R-H-O-N-E dot com slash jail And use the promo code jail It's time to find Your corner office comfort Jake Paul, Patty the Batty They had their fight, who won? Well, you tell me, who won this? Jake Paul told Patty the Batty A couple of days ago I will fly you to where I am I will fly you out here and we're going to spar. And if you get the best of me, I'll give you a million bucks. If I get the best of you, and he filled in the blank, he's going to help him with some deal he's doing in England. Patty the Batter responded and said, you come out to the PI right now and I'll do it. Who won? Who wins that? I mean, who wins that face-off? I don't think it's Patty... There was a very clear, it wasn't come to the P.I. I mean, like, who wins that face-off? It's an interesting spot, isn't it? I have a hard time giving it to Patty. I can't call Patty a loser. I can't say he lost this, but I can't say that he won. He was invited to a specific location to do a specific thing. He countered that. And it's always tough because if Jake Paul had the opportunity, like, if he was close enough and could get there, I think that he would have gone to the P.I., I think he'd have floated right past security. I think he'd have been upstairs and I think he would have had a camera with him. Which is a very tricky spot because that's not legal. That's called a fight. And then they would have been involving the UFC. And it's a tough situation that we appear to be being very lighthearted about. We appear to think that that's fun. We appear to think that that's funny. But when money's on the line, it's a greedy location and bad intentions... And the idea of doing damage to somebody else, boy, that sounds a lot like an MMA event, and you got to be really careful. It's a very slippery slope. Did you guys see this referee? Referee came out and outed himself. Boxing referee who, according to him, cheated. That's a word he used. He said, I cheated to help Manny Pacquiao back in the day. Manny Pacquiao fought a gentleman, and I believe, I believe you pronounce it Haseen. But Haseen came out, right? He's now not an athlete anymore. We call him an older guy. He's a retired. And he said, look, read what they're doing here. He's openly admitting he he cheated me. And if you were in Haseen's position at that time, To get the jump on Manny Pacquiao would have been life-changing. Not only would it just make you feel good. You worked really hard and you have that one night. You and your trainers could go and celebrate something. It would change the trajectory of your career. At least assumingly so. So you have this referee that came out and said he screwed him. Said I cheated him. He even told us how he did it. Told us fully how he did it. Now, he's telling the truth and you see this all the time. I could share for you guys ways to cheat within boxing and MMA, and we do see it often. You guys have seen it, not even know what's happening. You ever seen Joe Rogan make a comment when there's ice on the ground? Yes? Okay. Do you understand why that ice is on the ground? Do you understand how it got there? And do you know it was not an accident? And do you know that it's cheating? Without even going into detail, I think all of you are shrugging your shoulders going, no, no, I do what? Wait, what? There's a number of ways to cheat. So when a referee, when an actual official, that's very different. If a corner man does it, an athlete, you're, you're talking about something very different. A guy needs a few more times, so he kicks the bucket over, acts like he's taking a step and kicks the bucket over. Then he gets out of the ring and doesn't tell anybody, and it's clear eyes, so you don't know that he gets back to his corner. The referee's just about to start, and then he, the very guy that did it, starts yelling to the referee, whoa, 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 we got eyes." The referee, took, and he goes over and he cleans eyes. Do you not understand? Nobody's ever spilled a bucket of ice, just so you understand. That, that, that has never happened. You pretend that you've spilled a bucket of ice. That happens very regularly. So when this referee talks about I cheated, and even said why, said I'm, I'm Filipino, he's Filipino, and all the people watching are Filipino. Which is a terrible reason. Like, this is a disgusting thing. I bring it to you. I bring it to you because it's very relevant on the heels of me asking you who won between Jake Paul and Patty the Batty because Eddie Hearn, as of a month ago, was suing Jake Paul for $500 million. This referee just ended that lawsuit. Completely. Jake Paul never meant to literally say Eddie Hearn was say, was using Eddie Hearn as an example of a figurehead in the leadership of boxing, right? People do that all the time with MMA. I'm going down to the UFC this weekend. UFC's in town. Yeah, my friend fights UFC. And then you find out it's an MMA event. It's in a little ballroom and 200 people are coming. Like, it's just a colloquialism. It's not meant to be an accident. But when Jake talked about the corruption within boxing, the cheating within boxing, and he said Eddie Hearn is using Eddie as a broad stroke. That lawsuit comes to a screeching halt when 100% what Jake referenced is now coming out by the guy himself who did it. I was working with the Oregon Commission one time. I was working with the Oregon Commission and I was assigned to the locker room of a boxer who was a US Olympian, even medaled in the Olympics. And his name is Floyd Mayweather. His uncle Roger was a boxer and his old man was a boxer. And I tell you, nobody knew who he was. He was the main event, Floyd was the main event in Oregon where we did what's called papering the house. We gave tickets away. We got 5,000 people to come. Not 5,000 people to buy tickets. We got 5,000 people to even show up. It was just before Floyd was Floyd. And this is back when he was still pretty boy. And he took on a former world champion named Sean Bay Mitchell. I I tell you all of those details because what an exciting time, right? I'm in the locker room. assigned to a guy right before he's the guy. Right before any of these things happen. It was a really great night. But one of the things that I have to do once I put my eyes on them and I can't ever leave. Ever. They go to the bathroom. I go in the stall with them. If for any reason they stop me, I cut the tape off their hands and we redo it. I mean, it's just an interesting thing, the way when you're assigned and what they can do and everything they put on, anything they put in their body, water just by example. It's a really interesting thing, but one of the things that happened when I I did the ring walk, is the corner man turns to get out of the ring, he left the bucket behind, he forgot to grab the bucket. He turns to get out of the ring, so now he's not even looking at the bucket. He's looking the other way, and as he takes a step, he back kicks the bucket and spills. Oh, it's everywhere! So it's my It's not his job to clean it up. I'm with the commission. It's my job to clean it up. I've got to get a towel, of which I didn't have ready. This is my first day working with the commission. i got to get a towel, and then i got to get into the ring, and then I've got to get it all. And not only do I have to make it so that it's not there, I've got to press down and make sure that it's gone. The referee at the time was a man named Dave Hagen, and he screamed at me by name, Chael, get that cleaned up. Dave Hagen, who was the referee at the time, is now the executive director of the Oregon Athletic Commission, and he told me afterwards, he said, Chael, that's a move. You didn't know that? He said, that's what they will do many times to buy themselves time, and it worked didn't it? You didn't even see it. You didn't even know they were doing You thought he kicked that bucket over an accident after you fell for the idea that he forgot to take it out in the first place. I said, yes, I did. I, I did not know that that was a move. I just bring it to your attention. A lot of moving parts in a lot of uh, places I took you, but that referee coming out, declaring himself a cheater and the reasons he did it, brings a screeching halt to Eddie Hearn suing Jake Paul for bringing infractions of boxing to the public square. close out today's show, a big story emerged on social media about another guy who happens to be pretty big on YouTube, the Liver King. Are you guys following the Liver King stuff? And, and I got to tell you, I was a little surprised that this has become the forefront in a topic specifically with an MMA. I'm Eddie, Eddie Alvarez and, and Demetrius Johnson... Tyler Minton is trying to fight him. Mick Maynard has contacted the Liver King to see if he wants to fight him. And specifically, it was like our community that for some joe Rogan waited on this. Derek and Coach Greg that are extended members of our community. They cover our sport all the time and our athletes. I'm just sharing with you, like, for some reason, MMA and the Liver King, and it starts bouncing off. Now, I thought I was, like, the first one to this party. I told you guys a number of years ago the first time I saw this guy. This guy's on steroids. But I do that to get myself credit not to pull him down, right? Like, to call it out. But, well, now that everybody is calling it out, I feel as though I should just stay away from the topic. Like, that's generally not the direction that I go in, piling on, or jumping into something that somebody else has already said. Like, once it's said, but from the PR standpoint, the Liver King put out an apology. Now, this was going to be a tough lie to tell. All lies are tough lies, particularly in the world of social media. I mean, once upon a time in my lifetime, within my time on this planet, you could rob a bank and move two cities away and they'll never find you. Never. There wasn't social media, wasn't a way to get around, there wasn't crime starpers, there wasn't 1-800 numbers. You could go into an alias in Arizona and by the time you catch a train, you get off in Portland, Oregon, you will have a completely different life. I mean, it was just like a different time. And when I tell you... It was always a matter of time for the liver king to be caught because everybody has a cyber footprint. And whether it was going to be DMs or it was going to be Twitter or the guy that he's buying the roids from decides that he wants some kind of credit. That you're taking the roids and I'm selling you and you're making a pile of money and I'm just getting what roids caught. Co- like, things just get weird. You just, it's really hard to keep a secret. Particularly one like this. Okay, great. So the liver king comes out. He gives an apology. Now, the cover-up is always worse than the crime. Every single time. Every single time in politics, you'll see the guy deals with shame. Why do you lie as a human being? Because you deal with shame. They'll ask him a question that would bring him shame, and he will give an answer not knowing they got a photograph to the contrary or something along these lines. Now, if he would have just said yes in the first place, we'd already be past it. The cover-up is always worse than the crime. Liver king comes out with an apology. And it was a tough one from the beginning. And by, by tough one, trying to determine did he succeed or did he fail? See, the apology is not to actually say, I'm sorry, right? When you cut with an apology, that is media, that is the PR move, that is the press. How do I look when it's done? not a matter of let me come out and do something because it's the right thing to do. Now, I'm not faulting the liver king there. That's everybody's ever given apology. I watched Tiger Woods come out and read one. It wasn't even his own words. He paid somebody to write it. He didn't even take the time to memorize it. He came out and he read it. So there's a number of ways to do these. The liver king chose to do his in character. He chose to do it with the t-shirt off and after he made up the hair and he chose to come out and keep the voice and keep the ancestral tenants. Is that good or bad? Comes out within the apology to talk about the fact that he had used steroids in the past and currently, but that they didn't work. Talked about, I believe it was Anivar, I know for sure he referenced Winstraw, but that they didn't work, and he defined they didn't work by keeping his levels, which you guys don't even know what in the hell that means, below normal. Now, he's talking about a blood draw and you've got certain levels, and and, and you'll always see a guy that's trying to get around something when he starts trying to use terms that you don't know. This will never cease working. I will see politicians elected to office because they're foreign policy experts, and they might know the difference in Iraq and Iran, and they'll certainly win went uh, Gaza Strip in there, and now maybe they, they even know Palestine, uh, like there's certain things that they can say, they'll bring up Muq and you'll, you'll be completely lost, and you go, well, that guy's an expert. This never goes away, and in the world of nutrition, it is at an absolute forefront. If you can start, if you know what a picogram is, you instantly become the smartest guy in the room. So when he starts talking about levels and he starts talking about normal and he starts talking about some of these steroids didn't bring his level above, you sit back and you wonder why, why claim that? Why say that it didn't work? What is the message there? What is the story that you're trying to tell? And it's very hard. It's very hard. I have a friend that's a DA in New York City, right? Massive, and you got crime, and it's a big city, so I reference it. And... They'll get a guy all the time that broke into somebody's house and stole his stuff. They'll have him. They'll have his fingerprints. It turns out that guy's got a ring doorbell and watched him kicking it in. They'll then go down to the hawk shop where these things are being sold, and they'll show the guy the video of him walking in the store, holding the stuff and getting the cat. They'll have him. He's busted. And the guy will admit that he did it. He'll admit it. Not, not that there's much room for denying it there, but he will make a full admission Now, while he was at the person's house robbing them, and this is very common for burglars, they will do like a dog and mark their territory. They will take themselves out and they will pee on the person's floor. It's an extremely common thing. And you will get the guy to give a absolute full admits. Here's the time. Here's the day. Here's my motivation. Here I am on film. Here's who I sold to. Here's how much money. I did not pee on his floor. I did not do that. I did not mark my tear. That's gross. And you'll never, according to my friend who's a DA, get one to go. Yeah, and I peed on his floor too. Never, zero, zero, zero amount of times, according to my quoting right now. And there's something within that where when you get a guy, you'll get a guy to come really close, but he just won't go all the way. He just won't. I took Wenstral. I took Anivar. My levels remained under normal. There is no blood test for Anivar. There is no blood test for Winstral. Just so you know, there is no normal, there is no low, there is no high. Just so you know, I know this stuff's going to confuse you instantly. As soon as I see CBC, you're going to go out and Google what CBC. It stands for complete blood count. There, there is no test. There is no normal range. There is no low. There is no high end on Winstral or on Anivar. So it was a very weird comment that he made. They get the smart mark in the room to say, Chale, he's referencing his complete blood count. He's referencing his free and normal range testosterone. Yeah. Don't think I'm not aware of that. But why you would claim that it didn't work? And why didn't it work? Right. I and mean, that would just lead you to another thing. Were you buying bad stuff? Did you mix this yourself? Did you not know what you're doing? It's just this really weird claim. And of course it was, it was in the past and there's some done today, but that's monitored by a doctor. It's like, no, no, that's that's not true. There's there's not a doctor that monitors you and has you at the levels that you're at. You would have to have, if you were doing it only above board, you were only buying stuff pharmaceutical grade and you were doing it right way, you would have to have three and four and possibly even five doctors that don't know the other ones exist. They think they're the only doctor. That's okay. I'm just commenting on do you think this was a successful PR piece or not. Did he owe an apology when he did the PR piece? Should have he stayed in character? Should have he had the t-shirt off? Should have he edited this? Should have he planned it? Should have it been scripted? Should his hat have been in his hand more? And moreover, with an apology is what is different now. Like, Tiger Woods, when he gave an apology, it was a little while ago, but it was something to do with traffic. He did something in traffic. He was driving impaired, and I want to say he hit something. But when he gave the apology, whether you wanted to accept it or not, Tiger was also telling you, I'm not going to do that anymore. Number one thing that you have to have from me is, I had a bad action that involved me driving while intoxicated. I'm not going to drive while intoxicated. That's the number one thing that you have to get from that. The Liver King is telling you about anabolic agents he had. He's apologizing for you lying, but he's not telling you, I'm going to stop. And that was one of the parts that made it a very different apology. My children will do this where they have to say sorry to one. They did something. Well, okay, you're sorry, and that's a sincere apology if you're telling us that's going to stop. You're not going to do whatever that is again. And that was no part of it. It was, hey, I've lied to you guys. I've lied, I, I've lied to you from the beginning. Here's what I'm actually doing. I'm sorry. I'm going to continue to keep doing it. Like, which part? Are going to continue to do the anabolics? Are going to continue to tell us that you didn't do it, or it's just going to be both of them? It's an interesting spot. I'm just wondering how you think he did. How'd you think the apology went? I don't feel that we've ever, ever needed to pick on the liver king for steroids. The only reason that that becomes an issue... If he in fact is working with a doctor, just so you know, you guys hear about these steroids all the time, one thing that nobody takes the time to tell you, because athletes have used them to cheat to give it a bad rap, but they don't take the time to tell you, is there's a number of anabolic agents, and that's all you have to be to go into the category of steroid. All you have to be is an anabolic agent, and if you... A number of them are legal. A lot of them are good medicine according to doctors. They can be prescribed. You can be in possession of this completely legally. You can inject yourself at a coffee shop in front of a police officer and there's absolutely no problem if you have a prescription. I'm just sharing for you. That's the side of it where Liver King really doesn't have to say that he's sorry. Where it becomes a problem where people get their feelings hurt is when you come out and you give a message to somebody that's depressed or somebody that's down or somebody that's going to use diet and exercise as a way of making their life more happy and more positive and you leave the part out. That you're taking chemical agents. That can be tough because you get somebody to follow you and the time goes by and the year goes by and now they're even more depressed because they're doing what you're doing and they're not getting near the results. It has a reverse effect to what it is you're advertising. Now, Liver King, I would trust, doesn't care in the slightest about any of those things, but you say that you do as a way of selling and get people to come along the journey. Like, I don't feel that we ever needed to pick on that guy for steroids. For how much time he lays in a tanning bed? Like I don't know if those are real things to tease somebody for. Like here, let me just take your ideas on of ancestral living. If you guys want to do that, more power to you. I don't. I want to go into the future. Now, I'm just talking about me. I, I don't want to ride horses around. I don't want to have to catch my own food. I don't. I don't want to have to be face to face with somebody to talk as opposed to call him on a cell phone. Like if you want to send me one way. Send me forward a hundred years. I'd be very curious what that looked like. But people, they want to go back to the ancestors. It's 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 one of these very strange things. I I don't know what ancestors did so well. I don't know what I heard about them. You're getting married at fourteen, and you, you're off to war and dead, and you got a life expectancy of thirty six years old. And you got no doctors and no medicine, and you don't even have access to a certain amount of knowledge, not to mention the comfort. I mean, this is a guy telling you, I wish that we lived in ancestral time when he's in front of a camera. I mean, could you even imagine they wouldn't even know what it was? It's, it's a very bizarre message. It's not a true message. There was an apology that came out that wasn't sincere. It's not, I'm going to stop. I'm going to continue. What are you sorry for? If you're not going to stop, what are you sorry for? I don't care about any of those things. I don't care about the merit of any of it. I think you might want to look yourself in the mirror. If you want to go back to the yesterday, you're on the warrior diet, you're doing any of that stuff. You might want to look in the mirror. You're you're a bit of a nerd. Like you and I aren't going to be hanging out. But then again, if you and I did hang out, you'd have to drive over in your car, which wouldn't exist. And we probably have a television on, which doesn't exist. So I mean, if you want to go back to, you do that. You, 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 you go right ahead. Can you give an apology for something that you don't plan to stop? Are you actually sorry for something that you're going to continue to do? And moreover, as far as coming out and getting in front of this thing, because this was never going to end. You have people like me who will do two things. You'll have somebody like me that comes out and man, I don't care about the Well, Why are you talking about it? Okay, I, I, I guess I do to some degree. And then you want to be such a hall monitor you want to point a finger at him and let the world know, I know you're doing, it's, it's, it's this really weird thing, but I have it. Whatever that weird thing is, I have it. I will tell you I don't care about the liver king while talking about him. And I will tell you that I don't care that he uses steroids while talking about the fact that he uses steroids and he's lying. So that was never going to end. So the choices that he has is every single day, do you have people in the know coming at you and saying you're a liar? Or do you get out and let the world know those people are right? I lied. Moving forward, I'm going to continue doing the same thing, right? I mean, it was just a PR move that he did while in character, still playing Liver King, not playing Brian Johnson. What do you think? In your mind's eye, is the Liver King in a better spot today than he was yesterday? All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And remember that UFC 282 is just days away and coming up on Friday. I'm going to have some official predictions for Yawn versus Uncle Iov, Patty the Batty versus Flash Gordon, and more. Until next time, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.